0: came to jesus said to him teacher i will follow you wherever you go and jesus said to him great said foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head another one of the disciples said to him lord let me first go and bury my father and jesus said sure Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. This is God's word. So last week in Matthew, we saw Jesus cleanse a man with lepra. We saw Jesus heal Peter's mother, cast out demons, marvel at a Gentile centurion's faith, and reaffirm God's promised future, Um, a great banquet on the Lord's mountain uh, with all of the nation's Present, Okay, in, in the age to come. This is the picture. So Matthew closes that whole section of healings and Gentiles coming in by quoting Isaiah saying that in doing all of these things, Jesus is the Isaiah 53 suffering servant. He is the, the wounded healer. Uh, uh, He's, he's, he's Aragorn, right? The, in the, the hands of the king are the hands of the healer, and so shall the rightful king be known. So when he shows up and starts healing, they go, oh, this is the guy. This is Isaiah 53. That That's the point. And so this is how Matthew arranged his gospel, okay? So if you want like a chronological gospel, you read Mark. It's like, bam, he did this, he did this, he did this. Matthew takes stuff from all over Jesus' life and puts them in different spots, even different phrases. He'll just say, That Jesus said here, Matthew will put it here to make a point, okay, to make things clear. And so that's what he does in the next section. He takes three stories to make a big point. And the point in chapter eight is this: first, Jesus is Lord over creation. Okay, hopefully you saw that in the Psalm. Second, Jesus is Lord over demons. Okay? Hallelujah. Third, Jesus is Lord over empires. Therefore, leave everything and follow him, because he's Lord. Easy? Real easy. okay. so Matthew makes the point about Jesus identity. This is who he is. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah, son of God, son of man. And then his so what is that you should count the cost, leave everything and follow him. okay? let the dead bury their dead. You follow me because I'm worth it. I'm Lord over creation and demons and empires. Follow me. Okay, so first, Jesus is Lord over creation. Verse 24, behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus was doing what? He's snoozing, right? He's sawing logs. And they went and they woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. Okay, so he said, stop, and they stopped. And the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? He just said to stop, and it stopped. So just notice a few things here. First, Jesus' humanity is on full display, okay? As, as believers, we believe that Jesus is fully man, Okay. At this moment, if you could look up and see the height of the heavens, seated next to the right hand of God, there's a Jewish man sitting there. He's fully God and and fully man. And we know he's fully man here because he's sleeping, right? Why do people sleep? Because you get tired, right? That's why you take a nap after church, because you're just, you know, you're tired, all right? The boat's being swamped, and Jesus is sawing logs because he is a human, and humans get tired. But second, and most important for Matthew, for, for us, is that Jesus, not only is humanity on display, Jesus' divinity is on display. It's clear here, he is God. He rose, and he rebuked the winds, and the sea, and there was a great calm, okay? So who does the sea obey? Yahweh. Israel's God tells the sea what to do. At creation, Genesis 1-9, God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, dot, dot, dot. And it was so. He said, this should happen, and it happens. Job 38, which is an awesome big thing in itself. Oh, oh Who shut in the sea with doors when it bursts from the womb? Or who said, this far shall you come and no further, and here shall your proud waves be saved? Who said that? Yahweh, right? You're, you're going to go this far and you're going to stop, okay? Um, in the flood, God does this. for uh, Genesis 7, for in seven days I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. Verse 10, after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth, just like he said, okay? Uh, in the Exodus, God just keeps doing this thing with water. Exodus 14, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And did Moses drive the sea back? Who drives the sea back? Says the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and the Lord made the sea dry land. Only Yahweh does this in the Psalm. Psalm 18 says the Lord did this Exodus thing by blowing his nose. Just. Kind of funny, okay. Psalm sixty-five, O God of our salvation, who stills the roaring of the seas. Psalm eighty-nine, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, you rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise. You still them. So that guy sleeping in the boat, the, the guy that they are convinced is worth following, right? They get in the boat to follow him, like they're go disciples. You're you're doing it, and and, and maybe on this at this point are on board with him being the guy, right? The Messiah. What Matthew's showing us is that guy who's asleep, who woke up, said stop, and I think went back to sleep in my head. Maybe he didn't. They're saying that guy's God. Okay? He's the one, and they know that he is God because he rules over creation just as Yahweh rules over creation. Okay, He's doing the stuff that only Yahweh can do. And so the other storm story bears this out. Matthew 14 is where Peter walks on the water, kind of, Right? Right. Jesus walks on the water. Peter sort of does, and uh, and show, you know, same thing. Showing this sea is subject to me. If I want it to be hard, and I want to walk on it, I will be hard, and I will walk on it. And Peter says to him, "Truly, you are the Son of God." Okay, you that and that's a messianic term. Okay, so why would Peter say that? Why would Jesus walking on water bring a messianic title, Son of God, out of Peter's mouth? Because the Jewish expectation of God's messianic king is that he would. Just like God did in the beginning, this king would tame the wildness of the earth, right? When God's brooding over the deep, it's, it's chaos, right? We sing that song in the beginning. God, made it. Okay, It's chaos. And this messianic king, this anointed one, would tame the wildness of the earth. When that anointed uh, branch shoots forth from the stump of Jesse, Isaiah 11, creation will be tamed, okay? You guys have been outside. It's wild, it's terrifying. You ever sat on a beach and thought, "I'm awesome"? No. You sit on a beach and like, "I'm a little peon." That's terrifying. The Lord's going to tame it in the age to come. Isaiah 55. When, when, which man? Isaiah 55. Lot going on there. But the trees clap their hands and the mountains sing. He tames creation. He brings it back into order, and that's what's going on. Here, and so notice also that Jesus, yes, rebukes the seas. He says, stop it, and they stop. He also sort of rebukes the disciples, right? Why are you guys afraid, oh, you of little faith, okay? So these guys were at the Sermon on the Mount. They heard Jesus say, don't be anxious. God clothes the flowers of the field. He, he feeds the birds. He'll take care of you. And so what I want to point out here is rather than just wailing on the disciples, is that even though their faith is evidently weak, right, he says it's little, it's small, Um, Jesus still responds to their need, okay? it's, It's weak, he's, you know, I don't know, he's not making fun of it, but it's weak, it's small, it's frail, but Jesus still responds, okay? They say, Lord, save us in weak faith. And Jesus responds and actually does say that, so save them. And so I just say that that they cry out in little faith, and, and just to you today, little faith is enough. Okay, mustard seed will, will work. God will respond to little, weak, seemingly insignificant faith. Now there's different times in your life where um, you feel like you got a lot of faith, and and you would probably sleep too with Jesus. But there's also points in your life where you don't have very much faith, and I would just encourage you that's enough. Okay. Jesus will work with weak, little, insignificant faith, okay? So what sort of man is this, they ask? Well, he's God, and he rules over the wind and the waves, all right? Second, the second story in Matthew 8 shows us that Jesus is Lord over demons, okay? He is Lord over the powers and the principalities and, uh, in, in the heavens. So when he came to the other side, two demon-possessed met him, uh, men met him coming out of the tombs, and they were so fierce that no one could pass that way. So if you could see this, you'd be terrified, right? Like, think of all the images and pictures and drawings that we have of this man. Or, or Matthew says there's two. Luke says there's one. I don't know. Okay? It's terrifying. No one wants, wants to walk by them. It's like a zoo. And behold, they cried out to Jesus, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Okay? So what's going on here in the Bible's world, which is our world, okay? The Bible's world, demons are those powers who have rebelled against their creator, okay? Jude 6. They didn't stay within their uh, position of authority, and now they are following Satan to and fro across the earth like a lion, seeking someone to devour. Demons are bad, okay? There's your theology lesson for the day. Demons are bad, all right? All right? And so in, in the Bible story, angels and demons are in conflict, and, and they fight, right? D- Daniel 10, uh, uh, Revelation 12, there's, there's powers in the heavens going at it. But the Bible story also says this, praise God, that conflict between the principalities in the heavens and on the earth, it won't last forever, okay? Like there's a day where the war will cease. There is an appointed end, an appointed day, an appointed time, like the demons say, when the Lord says, okay, enough, you're done. And when he says that, just like he says to the wind and the waves, enough, you're done, it will be done. And there will be no more. Isaiah 24, he says, in that day... Okay, at that appointed time, the Lord will punish the powers in the heavens above. Okay, In the Bible, that language is always pointing to principalities, powers, demons, Okay, the whole bit. Um, and the kings on the earth below, they will be herded together like prisoners bound in the dungeon, and they will be shut up in prison, and they will be punished after many days. So that's the expectation of, of Israel. Wicked kings and wicked powers in the heavens have rebelled against God, but on his set day, at his appointed Point in time, they will be punished, okay? They don't get to just run on and torment people forever, right? And, and you know, I, I assume our this room is full of believers, okay? And so, you know, our, our interactions with, with the demonic is a little bit different, but guys, demons are still here, okay? Like, they're still on the earth, and there's a day coming when we'll wake up and that won't be the case anymore, and we don't even know what that's like. We don't know what it's like to live on the earth without demons. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be wonderful. Okay, So if, if this is your worldview, okay, if your understanding of how things work is according to the scripture, that this is how the story plays out. The day of the Lord, or at the day of the Lord, demonic powers will be punished. What happens here is, is really instructive. For us, I think, okay? These demons are trying to devour these men, right? Seeking whom they may devour like their Lord. These demons are seeking to devour these men. And when Jesus shows up, they know who he is, right? They say, what have you to do with us? And then they call him his messianic title. Okay, so I know you've been taught because I taught it to you, (laughs) That uh, when we say Son of God and Son of Man, when we say Son of Man, we're talking about Jesus' humanity, and when we talk about Son of God, we're talking about His divinity. That's not actually what the Bible's saying there. Son of God is a messianic title. Okay, so when you get King David anointed, it's a Son of God because, the, and we'll work through that in a little bit. Son of God is His anointed kingly messianic title. Son of Man is actually His divine title. Okay, so when we say Son of Man, we're actually talking about His godness and Son of God. Anyway, whatever. All right. So they say, "What do you? What have you to do with us, o, o Son of God?" And so it's kind of funny. The disciples, the disciples are in the boat, and and before this, going, "Who is this guy? You know, what sort of man is this?" And the demons answer them. They say, "What sort of man is this?" And the next time we hear about Jesus, they say it's the Son of God. So the demons tell the disciples, which I just think is interesting. You might not. Okay. The, the 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 demons tell them, and when they say this, okay, have you come to torment us before the time, okay, before the day? The demons know Isaiah eleven that I just read. Okay, they they know there's a day set for their torment and their punishment for their rebellion. They know. Okay, they're not ignorant to the fact that there is an eternal fire prepared for the devil and all of his angels. And they know the executor of the day of the Lord, of the appointed time, is the Messiah, the son of God. He's the guy that's going to do it. They reckon, oh, that's the guy. He's early, though. You know what I mean? Like, oh, god, thought we had more time. So they ask him, hey, can we get a little bit more time? And then, so they recognize this, and they have to beg Jesus, okay? You have to beg people who are over you and who are in charge of you. You know what I mean? They're begging Jesus, don't do that yet. Just send us into the pigs. And so Jesus proves for us, for our benefit, that he is Lord over them. And he says, go. And what do they do? They go. Just like the wind and the waves, he rebukes them and they go. The demons, he rebukes them and they go and they go into pigs. So Jesus is Lord over creation. The wind and seas obey him. He is Lord over demons. He says go and they go. But also Jesus is Lord over empires, including this one. He is Lord over empires. So the two most quoted Psalms by the apostles are Psalm 2 and Psalm 110, okay? These are royal, messianic, and and violent psalms. They speak of the Lord's anointed messianic son who laughs at the kings of the earth, right? Psalm 2, he sits in heaven and he chuckles at them, okay? Who conspire and set themselves against the Lord, and then Psalm 110, he will shatter kings on his day of wrath. Jesus is Lord over empires, okay? When he says, they're done. That's... That's all there is to it. Okay, empires in this day and and in our our day are not outside of the Lord's dominion. For the whole earth and all its inhabitants are under His sovereignty. They're under His rulership. They're His. Okay, He He made them. Okay, like it, and I know that's again basic. God made everything. But it God made everything. The breath you're drawing right now that ain't yours. Comes from His, and so. At present, the Lord is reigning over all nations, over all empires in mercy. Okay? You think God is not, his main posture is not mercy towards us right now? Not mercy towards Russia right now? Not mercy towards Afghanistan? Like, he is merciful to wicked nations. But there is a day, okay, a capital D, day of the Lord, when he will rule over them, not in mercy, but in wrath, should they not repent and bow their knee. Okay? That's the story the bible is telling so what does this have to do with the pigs right you guys read this story about the pigs and just been like what on earth as a bacon lover i'm like what <laughs> what's going on here okay so i could be wrong about this if i am forgive me we'll take communion it'll be fine but because this story has a billion different interpretations but i think that this story Uh, is a picture, I think it's a deposit, I think it's a down payment of the day of the Lord when Jesus makes all of his enemies, wicked nations and wicked kings, his footstool, okay? So why do I think that? Well, if you read Mark's versions of, of this event, okay, Mark is just bam, 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 Jesus does this, Mark begins his gospel by writing, Jesus goes about proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, Okay, the gospel of the kingdom. And then when Jesus gets to this demoniac in Mark's version, what does the demon call itself? Mark 5, 9, my name is Legion, Legion, for we are many. Stephen King novel, too. My name is Legion, all right, because we're many. So at this time, who's ruling over Israel? Rome. Rome, okay. And who does Rome's conquering work? Legions. Okay, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, you gladiator people. Legions are are ruling over Israel, ruling over um, Rome. And so when Jesus powerfully dispatches these demons, this legion, into an unclean herd of pigs who plunge to their death in the sea, you get the picture, right? It's a political cartoon. The Roman army, the kings of the earth, are judged and driven into the sea by Israel's true king now if that's not the right interpretation it's still a cool one okay (laughs) all right so jesus is lord over creation he's lord over demons he's lord over empires and now the question is the 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 main point of this and and the reason we're gathered here today and the only reason any of this matters is what are you going to do with jesus If he's Lord over all these things, okay, if he's not just some random dude in the first century who said some funny things and healed some people and maybe raised from the dead, but he's actually Lord, what are you going to do with Jesus? Okay, going to admire Jesus? He does not want you to admire him. Okay, what are you going to do with him? Well, he doesn't leave you a lot of options. Okay, a scribe came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, "Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head." Okay? So, Mr. scribe says to him, "If you want to follow me, you might not have a place to live." So, Luke 19, count the cost, okay? Before you build the tower. Make sure you you're you're all in with me because I don't do the halfway thing. If you're going to follow me, you might not have a home. Are you are you okay with that? you you down with that. Another disciple came to him. Lord, let me first go. And, and first, let me do this thing first. Let me take care of my other duties first and bury my father. And Jesus said to me, follow me. And you leave the dead to bury the dead. Mister, same thing. Mr. Disciple, come to Jesus. if you want to follow me? Leave everything. Leave everything. Okay, Even your father, even your mother, even your home, right? Again, Luke 19. Count your soldiers before you go to war. I want to make sure before you just hop on with the gang that, that you're all in, okay? That you're ready to, to do what it costs to do this. Let me get into uh, Matthew 10 in, in a couple weeks. He's going to say things way harder than this. You want to follow me? I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves, okay? You're going to go before uh, councils and synagogues and be flogged, and they will put you to death. Who wants in? You know what I mean? Like, this is what Jesus is, is doing. This is his membership class. Right? That's what he's saying. You want to be my disciple? You want to follow me? Well, let me explain things to you clearly on the front end. Right? Jesus does not do bait and switch. You know what I mean? Like, hey, look at this fun, nice, shiny thing I've got. And then smacks you. He smacks you on the front end. Right? Like, because he's, he's kind and he loves you. Like, he, he's not deceitful or a liar. He just on the front end says, you might not have a home, you'll have to leave your father, you go out as sheep among wolves, they'll put you to death, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? Sign here. You know what I mean? Like this is what's going on. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you renounce all that you have. Everything, your home, your family, your life is subordinate to him. Because everything is subordinate to him. Creation, demons, and empires, and your little life is subordinate to him. The Lord of creation and empires and demons doesn't do split allegiances, okay? It's not an option. It is all or nothing. Like he says in other passages, like you can't. You cannot. It is impossible, okay? Not you'd like to and it's just not going to work out. You, you can't. It won't work. This relationship won't work this way. And, and Okay? Never mind. Jesus says, lose your home, leave your family. Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Like this is the cost of discipleship. And again, it's it's on the front end. It's not something you find out later following Jesus. He tells you on the front end, hey, this is it. it. It's all or nothing. I'm Lord or I'm not. I don't do the halfway thing. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake... We'll save it, okay? So you see, I think my point in how we should interpret this as a church is we should not encourage just kind of willy-nilly professions, okay? Not saying that we like hold people over hot coals and whatever and do the whole interrogation, whatever, but we should take care to let everyone who inquires about following Jesus know what's at stake. If Jesus doesn't do bait-and-switch, should the church... Absolutely not. We want to be clear. Look, to follow Jesus means to take up a cross every day. Even to the point you might actually end up on a real one. This is what it means. Are you okay with that? Are you signed up for this? J.C. Ryle says, It would be well for churches if these sayings of the Lord were more remembered than they are. Thousands are admitted to full communion who are never warned to count the cost. Nothing, in fact, has done more harm to Christianity than the practice of filling the ranks of Christ's army with every volunteer who's willing to make a little profession. Let us not enlist them under false pretenses. Let us tell them plainly two things, that there is a crown of glory at the end. Tell them that, front end. But let us tell them no less plainly that there is a daily cross on the way. Guys, it is It is a crime, It is. it is malpractice before God to not tell people what it means to follow Jesus. It's hateful. It, it, it's, it's horrific to encourage people to follow Jesus because everything will go well for them. That's not the case for Jesus' life. That's not the case for the disciples in the Gospels. It's not the case for the apostles after the Gospels. That's not been the case for the church for 2,000 years after this, mostly. It's hard. It's cross. It, it's death. It's... I don't have a house. I mean, he stayed somewhere, right? Leave your father, okay? Come and follow me, okay? So I do want to say this, and we'll get to this in a second, but following Jesus is glorious. It's glorious. It It's glorious, especially because you hear teaching like this, preaching like this, whatever. You're like, man, following Jesus seems like a f- bummer, all right? Following Jesus is glorious, especially when it's contrasted with the alternative of being demonized and a slave to sin. You know what I mean? Like like following Jesus is hard, but it'd be harder to be that demoniac, right? The guy you gotta choose, you would choose that one, okay? But following Jesus while glorious also leads to suffering and to hardship, and to difficulty in this age. Now, Jesus says as much here, right? Just clearly, you might not have a home, leave the dead, to bury your dead, count the cross, pick it up, follow me, die, okay? He says that, but in the title that he uses here, and it's the first time that we get it, in the Gospel of Matthew, he calls himself Son of Man, okay? Leave the dead, to bury the dead, but to follow the Son of Man is to do this. Or so this, this title, this phrase throughout the Scripture, but especially when Jesus says it, Okay? Everything Jesus says is important, but when he says a phrase over and over and over and over, pay attention. And Son of Man, on the lips of Jesus, communicates two things, okay? Two realities. Ten times Jesus uses this phrase uh, to denote his rejection and and his suffering, okay? So when you hear Son of Man, it's either going to be suffering or it's going to be glory. Here's all the suffering. Matthew 1240, the Son of Man, he will go into the dirt. He will die. Matthew 17, 12, the Son of Man will certainly suffer. Seventeen twenty two. the Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of wicked men and be killed. Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom, came to die. So Jesus is saying, when, when they hear Son of Man, if you are going to identify with the Son of Man, be his disciple, follow him, Jesus says in saying Son of Man, expect hardship and expect suffering and expect death, right? Son of Man, suffering. But you guys are Christians, you're believers, you're disciples of Jesus. You've been through this book a few times. You know that suffering is not the end of the story, especially for the Son of Man. To follow Jesus, to to identify with the Son of Man, does not only mean suffering, okay? Sharing in the Son of Man's sufferings also means sharing in the Son of Man's glories, okay? Fourteen times, ten times it's suffering, fourteen times Jesus uses the Son of Man to communicate glory, I'm just getting used to. Jesus said to them, Truly, in the renewal of all things, in the age to come, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me. Now they're obviously talking to the disciples, minus Judas. Will sit on twelve thrones, judging twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone... Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. Is this not exactly what he said to the first guy who asked him? He says you're going to, have to leave your house if you want to follow me. He says to the next guy, you're going to have to leave your family if you want to follow me. But by the end of closer to get to the end of Matthew by 19, yeah, you will lose those things in this age, but you will gain eternal life. You, you will suffer with me, yes, but you will also be glorified with me. Everyone heard the call, okay? Everyone who hears the call and leaves the place where they lay their lay, they lay their head and leaves the, the dead to bury their dead, Jesus says, you'll inherit eternal life. Now, if you have to choose between eighty years of things being hard and ten billion years of things being glorious, what's the right choice? Right? What's the and just do the math, you know. Just do the math. We have the music team come up. Second one. The son of man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death. Okay, we've got that. Son of man means to suffer. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flocked and crucified. And on the third day, he will what? He will be raised from the dead. So to suffer with the son of man leads to being glorified, raised from the dead with the Son of Man. Everyone who hears the call and leaves the place they lay their head to leave the dead, to bury the dead, will be raised to life. This is is the point, okay? So Jesus is Lord over creation. Jesus is Lord over demons. Jesus is Lord over empires. And therefore, he is worth following. He is worth worshiping, but you have to count the cost. You have to count the cost. And praise God that we get to be a part of a church with saints who have counted the cost for decades. We honor you guys. Thank you guys. We have a pick. We know what it means. Okay? Just, I mean, it's like every, at least once a month, we see someone not finish well. Okay? Started well. And every week I get to see people who are, and that's just, that's just huge. It's just huge. You guys counting the cost? You've suffered, and you'll be glorified. Okay? <coughs> following Jesus will mean suffering, but more than that, following Jesus will mean glory. All right? It will mean glory. And so what I want us to do today, just in response to the word, is let's stand And we're just going to pledge our allegiance again to this man. To the one who who says to the wind and the seas, stop. And they stop. The one who says to demons, go. And they go. The one who says to empires, crumble. And they crumble. I'm going to follow that guy. And even if my faith is weak, right? Even if Jesus, sitting at the height of the heavens, looks at my confession right now and says, that's pretty weak. He'll still work with it. He'll still answer it. And so, I don't know how adults are as much. I know when we were dealing with, with junior high and high school kids more that they would feel like, well, it's weak, it's whatever, it must not be real, and God won't receive it. And I just, guys, that is so much bull. The Lord loves little faith. He loves weak faith. He loves any little bit of you that cries out to him for mercy and help. Save us, Lord. We're perishing. Okay? So let's let's do that now. Um, you can ju- you, I mean, you can do it out loud if you want, but just silently now, let's re-sign up, say, Lord Jesus, yes, again, I will follow you wherever you go. If that means, you know, I'm not going to have a house, I'm signing up to say yes. I'm a little nervous about it, but I'm saying yes. If it means leaving the dead to bury their dead, leaving my uh, father, I'll do it, okay? If it means carrying a cross, I'll do it. And we say yes now to these things, not really knowing what the future holds, right? But we're giving the Lord our yes. We're giving him our commitment. We're giving him our pledge now. So you just silently or out loud do that, and then uh, I'll pray, and then see what the Lord say yes God even if the last week year 5 years God we've we've held back and said I want to keep my house I want to bury my father God, today we sign up again and say yes. God, we, we commit to wholeheartedness. We commit to give everything, to lay down our lives, to leave our Father's home, to let the dead bury the dead to lose our homes and our lives for the sake of following You, for the sake of knowing You. So I ask God for our members specifically, God, those in this room this morning, that You would make the, the reality of the future real, that if we leave these things, if we forsake everything and follow You, God, we will be raised from the dead t- to glory. Forever. You're worth it. You're worth it, Jesus. You're worth following. You're worth worshiping. You're worth giving ourselves to. And so even in weakness this morning, we say yes. Whatever that looks like, we say yes to it. We say yes to it, Lord. Of Jesus. Or just real quick. If you have not, okay, if 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 today was the first time you've said that, yes, Lord, whatever it looks like, um, talk to me or the person you're sitting with after church today, because the everything's harder after that, right? <laughs> um If you want to put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus and follow Him to be raised from the dead on the last day, talk to me, talk to our elders, talk to the person you're sitting with, um, and let's do that. All right?